another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hey everybody, it's Susie Lolly and Carol Whitaker back from BeulahGirl.com. And on this episode of the podcast, we are concluding our series on rejection, how it starts, how we can stop it, and uh, what to do with that rejection. So tonight is the third episode in that series. And Carol, you're going to take us back to a place that so many of us would love to revisit, middle school. (laughs) Not really. As a former eighth grade teacher, I know all too well how middle schoolers act, and I can still feel the sting of rejection in middle school. But you have a story to tell us to kind of get us into this tonight. So go ahead and tell us about your middle school experience. Right. So when I was in middle school, we had an eight-person-to-a-table rule. Oh. Because, you know, uh, it was actually a, a pretty good middle school, but they had a tight tight grip on everything Mm -hmm. and so I had a friend who lived um, she lived in in my neighborhood and we schemed for about a year to try to get to go to the same school because Mm. she went to a private school and at first we thought okay well maybe I could go to the private school Mm -hmm. and you know when you're in in middle school and you have a best friend you always want to be around each other mm-hmm. all the time and so we schemed hey maybe you could go to the private school well my parents can afford that so then we schemed and said okay well maybe she could come to the you know the public school so um we schemed and we eventually got her parents to relent and so she came over to the middle school but what i didn't really count on was that she was going to be the new thing <laughs> at school and everyone would love her and I had taken a year off. My mom had homeschooled me in sixth grade, so I came back in seventh grade, and no one even knew my name. I mean, I had gone, grown up with many of the kids that um, I was going to school with, but no one knew my name, it seemed like, when I came back in seventh grade. Um, but this new friend I had, everybody was just... Right, (laughs) right, and so I really hadn't anticipated that. I was thinking we were just going to be best friends, and it was going to be awesome. And I didn't anticipate that she was going to get new friends, and I didn't anticipate that our schedules were going to be so different. We did have the same lunch together, but we had very different schedules. So I, you know, kind of developed this one group of friends at our table eight person table we had about four girls sitting there and we were all you know like you know how popular you are yearbook choir chorus slash (laughs) you know like photography club um that was our table which there's nothing wrong with that and i i should have been content with that because they were very sweet girls and we got along great but i you know my friend was at the same lunch but she had a table that was jam-packed over there Mm -hmm. and it was the really popular kids and I wanted to be part of that group and so anyways back to the eight person to a table thing she invited me to come sit at her table for lunch one day and I went to go sit there and all of a sudden as I was sitting there there was this boy that was sitting that had been in my fifth grade class I sat right next to him and he just said right out there in front of everybody why is she sitting Like I wasn't, you know, I couldn't hear or I didn't have a name. And it was so humiliating because Mm. I was trying to impress this friend that I brought over and I was supposed to know these other kids because I had gone to school with them. And I was so humiliated and I just did not know what to do. And I can't even remember if she said anything in that moment, but it was so awkward for me. 
And I got through that lunch. I don't think I said a word. I just like put my head down and was like chewing my sandwich. Didn't defend myself, nothing, but I just bolted out of there as soon as I could mm -hmm. when lunch was over. And uh, it was just such a moment of shame for me. I was so humiliated. And I think that, again, this happened in middle school, but I still vividly remember it. And it, it's kind of funny to me now, but I think we all have those moments where we're really singled out or really um, called out in front of a group of people. We're just so embarrassed or we're just made to feel one of the things we talked about in a previous episode, we're just made to feel like we're diseased or there's right. something wrong with us. You know, someone says that really cutting thing that makes us feel like we shouldn't even exist. Like, like, like we do everybody a service if we weren't even here. Mm. Um, so I just tell that story just to illustrate, you know, again, as we've been talking about in the past episodes, just how painful rejection truly can be. And in the last two episodes, we've really focused on not getting in a cycle of rejection and what to do. If um, if we do get into a cycle of rejection, how to how to really stop that? But in this um, episode talking about rejection, I just kind of want to wrap up all those loose ends and just take a practical look at just a few things that we can tell ourselves when we're in a situation um, like when we're sitting at a table and someone just launches a comment our way and we just are sitting there and it's you know we don't we're just blindsided right and what we can do in those immediate situations where we face rejection so you've got several action steps in the article and one of them is what we believe about ourselves makes all the difference so go ahead and talk about that one right as I'm sipping my oh and this is here. the scripture <laughs> this is the scripture that I just stole from you sorry here we go we're <laughs> gonna revisit if you didn't listen to the last episode this scripture will be new to you that's okay great minds think alike <laughs> The scripture she's talking about is Proverbs 23-7, which I'll explain in a minute. But in that moment of rejection, I think we've talked a little bit about not slipping into a cycle of rejection, but just kind of you know, piggybacking along with that before we even have really a chance to process through that and, and really decide how we're going to react. I think that we really have to watch... Um, what we believe about ourselves after a major rejection or humiliation happens. Because what we talked about so often is that our thoughts can often begin to turn inward. Mm -hmm. And whatever has been negative that's been said about us can become what we start saying over ourselves. Or we could just start saying some really negative things like, I should have never sat at a table. I wish I was, you know, I wish I was dead, or I wish those words have the power to be so damaging. Yeah. Um, that words of self-hatred. So we really have to be careful and um, know that what we believe out about ourselves is important because our actions flow out of our beliefs. As you mentioned, that scripture, Proverbs 23, 7, tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you think about yourself is going to be what you act going to be true if we have been told all of our life that we are fill in the blank we may believe it and act accordingly um, do you believe you're not as good as other people do you believe you are a problem do you believe you always really relationships these are important questions to know and apply biblical truth to because if we don't then we can easily fall into what we describe as a cycle of rejection and begin to take those words that other people said about us and speak this over to ourselves. So 
we really, when we're rejected, we need to really press into God in those moments. Um, Beth Moore, she's written a great book. It's called Breaking Free. And she talks about um, really in those really tough times. And it could be a rejection or it could just be a really painful time. She talks about in her book a time when her, the death of her mother. Mm. Even sometimes it could be a rejection like we're talking about or it could just be a really painful event. And it's in those times that, that Satan really, as we've been talking about in previous episodes, he wants to exploit those. Like, for instance, she talks about with the death of her mom, how she was so brokenhearted that it was like she really just wanted to stay in that grief. And not to say that it's it's not healthy to grieve or it's not healthy to, um, you know, it, you can be sad and depressed after someone dies. Okay? Yeah. God's going to allow you to go through that process of grief. But if you get sort of stuck in a place where, you know, a few years later, you're not really, you haven't made any progress as far as working through some of that grief, um, you know, you can start some really unhealthy thinking patterns if you're not careful in right. places when you're really hurt or rejected. So we need to get along with the Holy Spirit. We need to replace the wrong statements we're speaking of ourselves with truth and really understand, okay, he loves us. He has plans for us. It's so easy in that place of rejection to begin saying we're not loved, we're not wanted, God doesn't love us. And those are things that can really put a block in our relationship with God. And in our in your second point, you say that sometimes our actions are contributing to rejection. I know if you're like me and if our listeners are, are like us, um, there are times when we just do adopt that victim mentality. You kind of referred to that in previous episodes. Um, just because rejection has happened doesn't mean we start to have to act like, or we have to start acting like a victim. And um, we do need to address if there's something about me that is, you know, maybe I didn't initiate, but I am responding to rejection in a negative way. Maybe I'm contributing to that. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, how our actions can contribute to rejection. So this is a tough one. And I want to make something really clear before I talk about this point. And the thing I want to make clear is that many of us are rejected through no fault of our own. Right. I described an incident at the middle school table. I was just breathing and taking up a chair. <laughs> okay. I've since forgiven that boy. It's okay. I'm not upset. But I'm talking about there are, as far as deep wounds that can happen to us, that we go through some kind of abuse or molestation or someone breaks up with us in a relationship and it, it literally is through no fault of our own other than you know if maybe we could have retained that relationship if we altered completely who we are or whatever but it's it's no fault but there are situations that are not like the middle school one I described where I think that we have to again evaluate and, and help have God help us mm -hmm. look at the situation through his eyes and mm -hmm. not just our own and say, okay, is there something I'm doing that's contributing to this rejection? And again, I don't want you to be like morbidly self-reflective or something and say, oh my goodness, you know, it's all my fault. But this is just evaluating situations, taking them to God in prayer, letting him help us see from his perspective, if we're being accused, is there truth to what the other person is saying? Is there a way we've behaved that has caused the other person to lose confidence in, in us? 
If we truly want to come to a place of healing and a place of hurt left by rejection, we must be willing to surrender our anger and offense and approach the circumstances, not just by looking at what the other person did, but by asking, Lord, is there an offensive weight in me? Psalm 139.4. And being willing to ask that. And again, I'm not saying you blame yourself for every situation, but I am saying that there are times, and when I wrote this, there was one particular situation that I was thinking of where I was really angry at another person. And I really saw this situation that had occurred as completely their fault. Yeah. And <laughs> Don't we always? It was completely their fault. Yeah. Completely. Mm -hmm. And I felt completely justified in some of my reactions, which had not all been 100% correct. <laughs> Tough truth. And, godly. and I took that situation to prayer, and I expected God to have the same view of it. And I was really shocked when he brought me to a verse in James, which really pointed out my error in the situation. And I was offended. I was not pleased with God. Mm -hmm. And I was not pleased because I had to take an action step of apologizing to it to the very person who had in the past done some things to me that have been hurtful but I realized that you know one of the things we talked about in a previous episode is a lot of times with rejection is that yes sometimes someone really does something against us but then oftentimes in reaction we have a role to play and we have to really evaluate do I have am I playing a role in this and God is really the only one that can help us to see things clearly because we don't often see ourselves really clearly or a situation really clearly. And I have a quick story to illustrate this. Our house that we live in now, we have a lot of ants, or at least we've had <laughs> a lot of episodes with ants. I have no idea why, our neighbors do too, yeah. and we've had a lot of just ant invasions in our house. Yeah. Just times, and so we just have to be careful not to leave food out, and it just happens randomly where they come in through a crack and all of a sudden you see a line yeah. of ants. There was a situation where um, I woke up one morning, went downstairs. I had cleaned the dishes before because we kept on getting these ants in our kitchen. Yeah. And I saw this one spaghetti plate in the sink with spaghetti still on it. And yeah. there was, well, first of all, before I even saw the plate, I saw this line of ants <laughs> going into the sink and it was disgusting. It was like a swarm. Yeah. And then I look and see the spaghetti plate and immediately, I knew who had eaten that spaghetti. It was my <laughs> husband the night before me. Come home late from coaching, poor man. Yeah. And I left him a plate, but I was immediately furious. Why did he leave this plate in the sink when we have ants? <laughs> and so I was about to yell at him about his plate in the sink. And then I looked a little closer, Susie. I moved the plate aside. There were no ants on that plate. You know where the ants were going? They were going to the drain because you know it was in the drain? There was remnants of um, ground beef that I had strained <laughs> the night before yeah. in a strainer, but apparently some of it had seeped through and they were collecting the drain. I yeah. did not know that ants like ground beef, but they were very attracted to this <laughs> cooked, it was cooked ground beef. Yeah. It, was, it was like cooked and I had strained it before I put it in the sauce. Yeah. So I say that to say that a lot of times it's like kind of like the spaghetti plate where like, oh, it's person all the way yeah. realize we're kind of skipping over our own little ground beef in the drain yeah and that is really really hard to um, evaluate and look at but God can help us absolutely absolutely um, it's never all one person's fault and um, maybe now 
let me take back the word never you talked about molestation circumstances like that but these these more everyday rejections that we go through it might even start as one person but the way we process it through gossip I know that I've struggled with gossip lately because I've been uh, things have happened to me that were not my fault however if I turn someone else's opinion of those people then I am more I mean I'm maybe even more guilty because he talks about you know stirring discord among brethren this being one of the seven deadly sins and I wanted to go to that scripture um, you talked about uh, Lord is there an offensive way in me and the, the way I always memorized it was Lord see if there be any wicked way in me and it was David's uh, psalm of repentance he was saying God you know created me a clean heart with no right spirit in me you know cast me not away from your presence don't take your Holy Spirit from me he came to that place of repentance but at the beginning of his story it may not have been his fault that he was standing on the roof and there just happens to be a beautiful woman bathing next door I don't know married unmarried many men who would look away from a gorgeous woman bathing out in the open okay so I am not gonna blame David for that first step into lust okay lust is not something obviously we you know you can choose to respond or not respond but I'm not gonna say that the very beginning was not you know maybe he had some leeway there but then the following actions of getting her pregnant having her husband killed oh man he really like got off the rails there so I think in that case it was not a rejection cycle um, it was more of a sin cycle but boy aren't the steps the same like of us getting off track with God and so let's not be David there might be that rejection that comes into our lives but let's immediately say okay God I could go there but instead I'm gonna choose to process this with you and maybe process it 15 times until I have the ability to go talk to that person or make it right without screwing it up. <laughs> um, and then the last step you give us as far as you know what to do if we are in this cycle already is knowing that some relationships and opportunities are not meant to be. For those of us who are kind of people pleasers, I think that might be a hard one to take. So tell us more about that. Right, so when we are in a situation where Again, we've experienced a rejection. One thing that, again, I think we have to remember is rejection is very, most often very, has negative connotations for us. Right. Um, no one wants to be rejected. We talked about in previous episodes how it can literally feel like a physical attack on us. Yeah. Like someone punched us or, you know, we can start having anxiety around that person. Like, it can literally have a physical impact and even affect our health um so it does generally have very negative connotations um but i read one time a statement by lisa turkers and she says this rejection is often protection and that has been a very interesting way for me to view some of the rejections that i've gone through is some relationships and opportunities that often we we obsess about them when they're when they're not working out or we really want to make a relationship work that's not working or we really want to be friends with someone that doesn't really want to be friends with us and or we want that romantic relationship and we're chasing after that person that isn't showing that much interest in us not that I've ever done that <laughs> Susie. I'm thinking of that book title he's just not that into you yeah <laughs> yeah which we don't want to believe right yeah. um, some situations and relationships are not meant to be. The Bible tells us that we can make our plans, but it, does, it is the Lord who directs our steps. I'm talking particularly about opportunities that we want to work out sometimes or friendships we want to work out. And often 
we might really try to force it and, and really like I'm gonna make this work no matter what and sometimes they are just simply not meant to be and maybe God is even allowing it not to work out because he's protecting us yeah uh, particularly in situations um, I, I can tell you to the middle school incident I really wanted that friendship to work out I really wanted to be with that group of friends and as I look back on it from an adult perspective so what happened with that friendship is that we went opposite ways um, she continued kind of on you know she she grew very popular very popular in, in middle school very popular in high school we stopped really hanging out we, we were neighbors but that friendship um, really stopped working out and it was devastating for me it, it really really hurt um, but as we went down separate paths that friendship really wasn't a good friendship for me um, she wasn't someone that was spurring me on in my relationship with God she was making choices that were um, you know were not good choices and um, the group she was hanging with they were making choices that weren't good and there were choices I made in high school that weren't good but I view that situation from the lens of you know I have to have this friendship but it wasn't a good friendship for me and I viewed many of the situations I wanted so bad to work out and in the moment I'm so devastated and then later down the road I look at it and say thank you God that you didn't let that that you didn't allow that so sometimes I think in that moment uh, rather than try to force something that's not working is we have to think okay maybe 10 years down the road I'm gonna have a totally different perspective and it's not gonna affect me the way it is now and even if we can't I'm thinking of you you know your daughter is approaching middle school as we were talking about earlier and um, there are gonna be days when you're gonna have to I know you've shared some conversations you've already had with her but I'm thinking of how so many times we try to give wise counsel to to people who are not maybe mature enough to receive it and sometimes we do have to walk down the road before we realize oh my mom was not an idiot <laughs> you know or whoever was giving me that counsel but I would hope and I know that Carol would hope that some of the advice we're giving on this podcast because we've experienced it we've lived it that at least some of it you could just take our advice instead of having to make the mistakes yourself you know um, or if you're stuck in a stuck in a cycle you could get out of it earlier than maybe we got out of it you know that's always that's always the wish is that you know it's I've heard the expression Titus to women you know Titus 2 talks about us taking other women you know and mentoring them and as kind of virtual mentors that you would hear from us that you know there is a way to get free there is a way to break free live free talking about the two books that we referred to in the last in the little series um, that we don't have to just accept things the way they are, but we can get out of it earlier, you know, than if we didn't maybe have some of this godly advice. So Carol, how would you kind of wrap this up for us tonight? And also as our, you know, as our series concludes on rejection, what would you have to say to us? Well, my own life has been filled with um, reactions that have been wrong <laughs> to, um, there, there have been many rejections and there have, been many wrong reactions to the rejections and God has worked through those to now that I can be in a place not that rejection doesn't bother me because it still does not that I don't still struggle with the temptation to have wrong reactions or sometimes have those wrong reactions but he's really brought me to a place where I understand I think that when um, we're in a place um, of rejection that it's it's so important how 
we react. And I do, like you're saying, I do want the people listening to not have to go through, even though God has brought me to the place of healing and, and brought me awareness of how I've been caught in a cycle of rejection for a lot of my life. I do, like you're saying, hope that the people listening will take some of these lessons to heart and not have to go through some of those yeah. um, same, um, same uh, painful lessons that um, I've I've gone through. Um, but if I hadn't gone through those lessons, you know, it's, it tells us in the Bible that God works everything together for the good of yes. those who love Him. So even though I've had to go through it sort of the hard way, um, it has brought good in my life in the sense that that I can now tell others, hey, you you might um, you might uh, just take a pause here and um, not react in this in the same way. One of the things that I've learned from being extremely depressed is that depression is often caused by um, misplaced dependencies and unrealistic expectations of others. That what I think I've fallen into over and over and over in my life is expecting and being so upset when other people don't act the way I want them to act or they don't react to me the way I want or things don't go exactly according to the Carol script in my head. I think that when we understand that people are going to do what they want to do, yeah. that is often totally different than what we want, <laughs> and we just let that go, our expectation of them go, and say, okay, or they are not going to react the way we want in situations, and we can let that go, that um, when we let our expectations of others go, and, and even our expectations for a situation, and say, okay, God is sovereign over this. I don't even know what's happening here. I don't even understand why I'm going through this. It's all going to be clear to me someday. Maybe maybe in the next year or the next month or the next week or maybe not at all this side of eternity. But I can, um, I don't have to get so bent out of shape when people don't act the way I think and when they don't treat me the way that, that I want to be treated. I can be responsible for how I act and I can leave in his hands other people and not try to um, really control or be responsible for their actions, if that makes sense. Does that so make that sense? That would be a failed mission, yes. <laughs> Just the same as when you get married. You think you're going to control that person. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> so let's pray as we as we conclude our, our podcast episode and also our series. God, we love you so much, Lord. The story that came to mind as we were, you know, just doing this last episode was the story of Mephibosheth and how he was crippled, and uh, he was crippled by a physical ailment. His nurse dropped him when she was running, um, and he had to bear that the rest of his life. But some of us have been crippled by rejection. We we feel like we cannot move forward because it was their fault. I can't get past it, or whatever the situation is. But um, as Carol shared, and and as the there's a, a Leland song that says, "I was carried to the table." seated where I don't belong. And you are a God who picks us up right in the middle of our mess, right in the middle of our rejection. We might be so crippled and, and bowed over by the way that life has treated us, and that may have been entirely not our faults. But um, you are the one that if we will just reach up a little hand, we may not be totally able to even stand, but if we'll just reach up a hand, God, you swoop us up you put us on your lap. You, um, When it's time, you carry us to the table and you seat us even in the presence of our enemies, God. And right there, you celebrate us. God, the things that, that we did not intend to happen, things that people have done that were so evil, God, you're going to bring good out of those. You're going to celebrate us right in the middle of those who maybe tried to crush us. 
Um, and God, you are a faithful Father who, if we ask you, will respond to the cry of our hearts, which says, God, I don't want to be rejected, but I also don't want to deal with it poorly when it happens. We love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for who you are, that you've chosen to walk with us through this life, and we believe that you do have better things for us on the other side of rejection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.